Welcome to Sea of Fire Ministries with James Myers. In this series, we are observing men and women in the Bible, what we can learn from them, and observing God's constant faithfulness in the lives of His people. Today we continue the history of the mediator of the Old Covenant, Moses. Today is the second message regarding his life, beginning with the death of the firstborn, the Passover, and the crossing of the Red Sea. We hope this message serves to edify the church. So we are on the second part of Moses. We are going to have a third one. I mean, it's important to, you know, review uh, Moses' life. As we talked about last, last week, he's the mediator of the Old Covenant. So even looking at Christ, the mediator of the New Covenant, in order to understand him and his ministry, we need to understand Moses in particular throughout the Old Testament, but especially the establishment of the Passover and their deliverance out of Egypt. We looked at nine, the first nine of the plagues last week, and so going into today, the death of the firstborn, we need to remember there was still darkness. Remember that ninth plague was darkness. It was thick darkness that could be felt. It wasn't just, you know, you couldn't see, but you could feel the darkness, and we talked about that, right? Okay, so... What, where we're going to start, so what happens is God announces and Moses announces the death of the firstborn first. And then he institutes the Passover, and we'll talk about that for a little bit. And then the death of the firstborn is actually very short. The account of it is actually very short. And then they're delivered, and we'll talk about the crossing of the Red Sea. And then slightly after that, they come to the waters of Marah, and we'll talk about that. Uh, so that's what we're going to look at today, and then, God willing, anyway, we get through that. And, and next week, we'll, we'll pick up from there and look at the bread coming down from heaven, uh, the giving of the law, and a few other accounts, and, and we'll conclude with that. So today, we are going to start with the announcement of the firstborn, which is found in chapter 11 um, of Exodus. And also, I also want us to remember that, remember, this is the Pharaoh who had commanded that all of those, all of the children, the, you know, all the male babies be killed when they were born, okay? And God even said, unless you let my people go, I will kill your firstborn. And now that's finally happening. And God is even announcing this first to Pharaoh, okay? So let's look at um, um, chapter 11. Uh, let's go just verses 1 through 10. Well, that is chapter 11. Okay. And the Lord said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will surely drive you out of here altogether. Speak now in the hearing of the people and let every man ask from his neighbor and every woman from her neighbor articles of silver and articles of gold. Remember, he also promised that they were going to plunder the Egyptians. And this is how it happens. And we'll, we'll get into that because they later do plunder the Egyptians are glad to give them their stuff, you know, and basically implore them, please depart from us after the death of the first, firstborn. They're basically saying, we're all going to die, so please go. And so that's what happens. They end up plundering Egypt through that, through these means. So that's why he's telling them to ask. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. So that's important to recognize. Remember, we even looked at some of the servants last week who did heed God's word and, and feared God, and they took their livestock in. Remember, and that, that's what saved them from the hail. Uh, so there are some who can't, you know, all that God is doing through, this, through Moses' ministry 
you know, they can't help but take notice of. And now this one's coming, and so, you know, they're going to listen to him. So that's why uh, Moses is making a point, and God is making a point to make that um, abundantly clear for us. Then Moses said, Thus says the Lord, About midnight I will go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the female servant who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the animals. So, everyone. It's not just a judgment on Pharaoh, it's a, ju it's a judgment on all the Egyptians. Really all who won't mark their doors with the blood of the lamb, which we'll get to, which we'll finally get, you know, see in the Bible and talk about. But, so that's what they're heeding. That's what they're listening to, okay? Um, okay, so, but it's everyone. Firstborn of Pharaoh, firstborn of the female servant, and the animals. Then there should be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as it was not like it before, nor shall be like it again. But against none of the children of Israel shall... Real quickly, I, I'm sorry. It's just, I'm sorry. So when, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Herod did the same things. Remember, he, he same thing. He had sent the Magi, and they didn't return to him. And so he, and, and Joseph was warned in a dream. So uh, he, Mary, and Jesus fled to uh, Egypt. But he still killed all the male babies under two at that time. And there was a prophecy about Rachel weeping, Rachel weeping for her children. And so it's, it's kind of the, that's, so this is what I'm trying to say. We need to understand this account to understand the account of Jesus. Even Pharaoh killing all those, those firstborn, or all the, all the males, same thing happened to Jesus. And there was a cry. There was a great cry out of Bethlehem of Rachel weeping for her children. So we need to see these parallels. That's all. Okay. Okay, but against none of the children of Israel shall a, shall a dog move its tongue against man or beast that you may know that the Lord does, does make a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. So again, real quickly, it's not only that they're not going to have to suffer the death of their firstborn, but nothing is going to come across them. They are utterly safe from any kind of harm, even the tongue of a dog. Nothing is going to harm them at all. Clear difference. Uh, and all these your servants shall come down to me and bow down to me, saying, Get out, and all the people who follow you. After that, I will go out. Then he went out from Pharaoh in great anger. Moses is, remember when he, uh, at the end of the last account, Pharaoh said, Go, and you will see my face no more. And the day that you see it, you will surely die. And Moses says, it is, it's true what you say. I will see your face no more. So he's frustrated it's gotten to this point. He, he, he just thinks it's insane. You know, we, you've, you've suffered so much. And now the promise has already come that your firstborn is going to be killed. And now the announcement is coming and you're still not listening. You're still not letting my people go. And he's, so he's mad. He's in, has great anger. He does not desire this. He does not desire this at all. God de technically doesn't either. This is a righteous judgment, but it's nothing he's pleased about. Okay? He's not pleased to send people to hell, but he is a righteous judge. So understand, this is a frustration in any holy people, and we'll get to that. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that because once the death of the firstborn happens, see, the, the people, the Hebrews, are very compassionate, you know. But then we'll see, once, the, once Pharaoh and his armies are driven into the sea, they sing a great song about it. 
so, so we'll talk about that. But so, um, so, but the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not heed you so that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. So Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he did not let the children go out of this, go out into the land. Okay. So the Passover is instituted between, um, in chapter 12 until verse 28. So let's go ahead and, and, and we'll read this account and then we'll, we'll just read it all and then we'll talk about it for a little bit. We also have to understand though, the, the Passover is where Christ gave the, the, the ordinance of the Last Supper, okay? And we'll see the, the parallels with that too, okay? We don't only do that annually, but we'll, so let's read the whole account and then we'll talk about it. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt saying, this month shall be your, the be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Okay, so real quickly. Sorry, I thought we weren't going to. But so it's not January for them. Their year will start with marking the Passover. The Passover is essential for the Jews. We talked about that last week. It's the Seder. All the Jews still, still celebrate it, and many Christians celebrate it. And I think that's wonderful. I think that's fantastic. So it is a huge deal integral uh, to Judaism. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth day of this month, every man shall take for the, himself a lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household, so the whole house. Uh, and if the household is too small for the lamb, let, it, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year, you... Otherwise, it wouldn't be a lamb. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it uh, until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. Because it's midnight when, when uh, this is the death of the firstborn takes place. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat. So basically, two doorposts and then top. Okay, so... That's where they put the blood. Then they, shall then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire, with unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw, nor broiled at all with water, but roasted in fire, its head with its legs and its entrails. You shall, not, you shall let none of it remain until morning, and what remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire. So it's completely consumed. That, that's the point. Uh, and thus you shall eat it. With a belt on your waist, this is important, with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, so you shall eat it in, it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Because remember, as soon as this happens, they, are, they must be ready to go. Remember, we've talked about that over and over and over. So that's what they're, that's what they're called to do. When you, when you prepare this, and when you sit down to eat it, eat it with your belt on, with your staff, ready to go. You're eating this in haste. You're eating this because now you are going back home. Okay. All right. Um, no. Sorry. Okay. For uh, uh, I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. So again, just real quickly, it's not just on Pharaoh. It's again against all the idolatry as well. God is making a swift and total judgment here for an account for his people, but also to judge Pharaoh. He had said that even to Abram, remember, that they will be oppressed, and I will judge, I will deliver them, and I will judge that land. Okay, so that's what he's doing. 400 years after, he, I mean, well, he had promised it would take 400 years, and this is exactly what's happening. Um, 
Okay. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day shall be to you a memorial. And you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. That's the feast of the unleavened bread, that's which we've seen in the book of Acts. See? That's wonderful. It's fun. Okay. On the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses. For whoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day there shall be a holy convocation, and on the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation for you. No manner of work shall be done on them, but that which, uh, that, but that which everyone must eat, that only may be prepared by you. So you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for on this same day I have brought, you, brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. See, he's calling them armies. They are not fighting at all. God is waging and winning this war. But he, they are his armies. And to be contrasted with Pharaoh and his armies, which is, which they are going to be pursuing them to the sea. Um, in the first month, on the 14th day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month at evening. For seven days, no leaven shall be found in your houses, since whoever eats what is, un, what is leavened, that same person shall be cut off from the, the congregation of Israel, whether he is a stranger or a native of the land. But remember, we even talked about the reason it's unleavened is because they're going in haste. That was already recorded. We saw that last week. So that's why it, it can't be leavened. You shall eat nothing leavened. In all your dwellings you shall eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of, the, of his house until morning. Real quickly, because Moses will also institute in the different sacrifices, in different kinds of sacrifices, they would dump the blood with a bunch of hyssop and sprinkle it on the people. That's kind of the first baptism, just so you know, because the sprinkling is technically a baptism as well. We talked about that, but, so that's another kind of sign, but he's saying put it on your doorpost because it's to protect the whole household. It's with the Passover lamb, that's why when a man is saved, his whole household is saved. Okay, this is, why, this is where it all started. All right, uh-oh, okay. Uh, for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the, and on the uh, two doorposts, uh, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. So the blood, the mark of the blood, is what saves them from death. Just like Christ's blood saves us from death. God is executing judgment on everybody not marked by the blood of the Lamb. Just like today. Okay. Um. And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever, just like we do with our Christ forever. It will come to pass when you come to the land which the Lord will give you, just as he promised that you shall keep this service. Again, it's according to his promise, and he's making it come to pass. And it shall be when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? service? Remember, we talked about that last week. This is kind of part of the purpose, so that when, when the, they do sit down to eat, the son asks the father, what, what does this mean? What, what we, and this is what they do. This is, this is part of the celebration. And whenever the Jews come together, the son, even when he knows the answer, he asks the father so 
there can be a recounting of this wonderful deliverance from God to his people, to the Jews specifically in this account, but to all men, his men and women in Christ as well. Okay. Um, that you shall say, it is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our households. So again, the judgment for the one and salvation for his people. And this is the story that is to be handed down from generation to generation, and which is why we still have this, and this is what we do now. We continue to pass the, the gospel of Christ from generation to generation. It's a similar deal, okay, very similar. All of Christ's ministry wouldn't make sense. <laughs> Much of it, anyway, wouldn't make sense out of the Passover, out of this specific account, anyway, and through their wanderings and so forth. But, so, it's just important to recognize um, then the children of Israel went away and did so, uh, just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. So, okay, now this short, fairly short part uh, from uh, verses 29 uh, to 42 is the death of the firstborn. And it came to pass at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Israel who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the livestock. So Pharaoh rose in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a cry, great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not found one dead. Then he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise, go out from among my people, both you and the children of Israel, and go, serve the Lord as you have said. So Pharaoh's heart had been hardened throughout this whole thing. Now Pharaoh's heart is broken. Now we'll see... Yet again, his heart is hardened, probably by this breaking, you know, I'm sure. This pain and this agony comes to fury, turns to fury, and, and we'll consider that as we come across it. Also, take your flocks and your herds, as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. So, Pharaoh, Pharaoh knows. Pharaoh knows this is God. He'll still have one last vain hope in his hard and foolish heart to go after them, and that will be his final one. But he does ask for the blessing of God as, as, as a hypocrite, ultimately, but as some slight, slight semblance of repentance. And the Egyptians urged the people that they might send, out, send them out of the land in haste, for they said, we shall all be dead, just like I was saying. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, having, having their kneading bowls bound up in their clothes on their shoulders. So again, they're just ready to go. Now the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses, and they had asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they granted them what they requested. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. That's the plundering. We've already, we just talked about that. Then the children of Israel journeyed from Ramesses to Sukkoth, about 600,000 men on foot besides children. A mixed multitude went up from them also. And so that, just real quickly, the end of uh, verse 36 is technically the end of the death of the firstborn. So now they're, now they're fleeing. A mixed multitude went up with them also, and flocks and herds, a great deal of livestock. So a mixed multitude that, that suggests to many scholars that some of the Egyptians went along with them which it does seem like when they're wandering in the wilderness, that, that is what happened. Again, many of the servants did heed the word of the Lord, so it's possible anyway. 
And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough, which they had not, uh, which they had brought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened, because they were driven out of Egypt and could not wait. There we go. Nor had, nor had they prepared provisions for themselves. Now the sojourn of the children of Israel who lived in Egypt was forty, was forty and uh, four hundred and thirty years. I'm sorry, and we talked about that too. And it came to pass on the end of the 430 years, on that very same day, it came to pass on, that all the armies of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It is a night of solemn observance to the Lord for bringing them out of the land of Egypt. This is that night of the Lord, a solemn observation for all the children of Israel throughout their generations. Again, it's repeated for emphasis. This is essential. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, This is the ordinance of the Passover. No foreigner shall eat it. But every man's servant who is bought for money, when you have circumcised him, then, then he may eat it. Remember, you had to circumcise your servants as well. So they become part of the household and join in, in the Passover. A, so, a sojourner and a hired servant shall not eat it. So if he's a hired servant, he shall not eat it. He's only part of the household if he is bought as a servant. Because he's part of the household in that case. In one house it should be, shall be eaten. You shall not carry any of the flesh outside the house, nor shall you break one of its bones. All the con- also, real quickly, because Christ, it, it was also prophesied that the Christ, none of his bones would be broken. And remember, when they're hanging on the cross, what they would typically, what they did, what just to make sure the person was dead, they would break their legs because that would basically end, the, that would finalize what hadn't finally terminated them. Okay, but when they came to Jesus, they already they realized he. he Apparently was already dead. That's why he was struck with his spear instead. So none of his bones were broken either. So this is the first kind of, you know, idea where that kind of emerges. Okay, this is the first one. None of its legs, none of his bones should be broken, of this Passover lamb of the Lamb of God. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. And when a stranger dwells with you and wants to keep the Passover to the Lord, let all of his males be circumcised, and let him come near and keep it, and he shall be as the native of the land. For no uncircumcised person shall eat it. One law shall be for the native born and for the stranger who dwells among you. Thus all the children of Israel did. As the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. And it came to pass on that very same day that the Lord brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt according to their armies. Okay. Let's... Okay, we talked about that one, okay. So we talked a lot about the firstborn. We saw a lot about the firstborn. And we'll see in the giving of the law that all the firstborn are to be um, redeemed to God. The way that the firstborn animal is redeemed is that firstborn animal is sacrificed. The way the firstborn son is redeemed is from an animal sacrifice, okay? So... That's one thing. But Psalm 89, 24 through 29 says, But my faithfulness and my mercy shall, shall be with him. He's talking about uh, Christ. And in my name his horn shall be exalted. And I will set his hand over the sea and his right hand over the rivers. He shall, cry, he shall cry to me, You are my father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. Also I will make him my firstborn, the highest of the kings of earth. My mercy I will keep for him forever. And my covenant shall stand firm with him. And... His seed also I will make to endure forever, and his throne as the days of heaven. So again, that's one of the first indications of Christ as the firstborn. In the Old Testament, within the Psalms and the prophets, they refer to Israel. Even, even uh, God is calling Israel his firstborn. Okay, so, they, so Christ is actually linked to being all of Israel because he is he 
stands in our stead. He is our representative. Again, he is our mediator. Obviously, Jesus was Mary's firstborn. In Romans uh, 8, 28 through 30, and it says, uh, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. So all that he's predestined, he is, he is uh, conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, thus he also glorified. These he also glorified, and whom he's justified. He, uh, these he, oh, I'm sorry, he also justified, and whom he justified, he is also glorified. Last one, uh, Colossians, well, almost last one. Uh, Colossians 1, 15 through 18, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For, again, he is not born of the Father. He is begotten of the Father, but in, uh, as our representative, this is who he is. For by him all things are created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities, which mean rulers, or powers, which mean authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. Okay. Last one, Hebrews 12, 22 through 24. But you have come to Mount Zion and into the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel, which we had talked about Abel being the first representative sort of in that regard. Okay, let's go ahead and t look at chapter 13, and we'll start at verse 17, and we'll go to uh, chap chapter 14, verse 31. 17. This goes to their deliverance, to the beginning of the Red Sea, and then they're crossing the Red Sea. Uh, but to start it off, we need to see how it comes about that Pharaoh chases them down and why they went by this way. Then it came to pass, when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. So it would have been easier for them to go that way. For God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. God knows the hearts of these people. They will have this tendency throughout the wilderness. <laughs> so God let the, let the people around by way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. Joseph had them promise that they would do that so that he could be buried in his, in his father's land. Uh, for he had placed the children of Israel under solemn oath, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry, my, carry up my bones from here with you. So they took their journey from Sukkoth and encamped at Etham at the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so as to go by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night uh, from before the people. Remember, we've already talked about that. Uh, now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they turn and camp before Pihahiroth, uh, before Migdal and, uh, and the sea, opposite Baal-Zephon. Uh, uh, you shall camp before it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of, of the children of Israel, They are bewildered by the land. The wilderness has closed them in. This is where Pharaoh starts hardening his heart again. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart, so that he will pursue them. And I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. This is the reason he's doing this. This is the reason. So that I will gain glory over Pharaoh and over his armies, and that all these unbelievers will know that I am the Lord. 
Now it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned and his servants was turned against the people, and they said, Why have we done this? That we have let Israel go from this from serving us. I guess they had already forgotten. <laughs> they all lost their firstborn. So he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. Also he took six hundred choice, choice chariots and all the chariots of Egypt with captains over, over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel and, and the children and the children of Israel went out with boldness. So the Egyptians pursued them. All the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and overtook them uh, camping by the sea beside Pihahuroth uh, before Baal Zephon. Uh, and when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? They're already starting. It didn't take long. Already starting. Why have, you, why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians will see you, whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. So... Don't be afraid, just like we've seen God implore his servants over and over and over again. Have no fear. I am with you. I will never forsake you. He told that to Paul, and he's told that to uh, uh, Joshua and his people throughout these generations. But he says, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of our Lord. You have nothing to do. You haven't had anything to do this whole time. You have nothing to do. Stand here and watch God save. That's what we do. <laughs> That's what we do. God does it. God saves. And we watch and we stand and watch. And the Egyptians you will see no more. The Lord will fight for you and, sh and you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. But, but, so God's already asking. I've been doing all of this. And now here you are, and you're, now you already are crying out. You know I've delivered you with a strong arm and a strong hand and strong salvation. Why are you crying out to me? Uh, but lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry land through the midst of the sea. And I indeed will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them. So I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, for I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud went before them. Uh, I'm sorry. And the pillar of cloud went from from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was cloud and darkness to the one, and gave light by night to the other, so that the one did not come near the other that all all that night. So remember going back to chapter 15 when the smoking oven and the burning torch go between those pieces. Remember, and that was God showing Abram. And in that covenant, he, that's when he had told him those, his descendants would be oppressed in a foreign land. And then he, that smoking oven and that burning torch go through the pieces. And now, and again, Moses has been the mediator this whole time. And God himself, through the pillar of cloud, smoke, and the pillar of fire, the burning torch, go between Pharaoh and his people. God himself is the mediator. 
God himself protects his people so that they can be delivered. But he is the one who stands between the forces of evil and his people. Stands at the gate, goes between those pieces, goes between his people and all fallen men and women as well. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went in the midst of the sea on the dry ground, and the waters were a wall on them on the right hand and on, the, and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued him. We've seen this in movies. It's hard to imagine, uh, but what a spectacular event this must have been. What a kind of a beautiful, moving situation. Uh, but these people don't have chariots either, so it's happening all night. It's going to take a while to go through the whole sea. Um, so, okay. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea. All Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen, obviously after they had already gotten near the other side, now came to pass in the morning watch that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and in cloud, and he troubled the army of the Egyptians, and he took off their chariot wheels so that, they drove, so that they drove them with difficulty. So he's slowing them down. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. So they want to turn back. Now they're scared. <laughs> it's too late, though. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the waters may come back upon the, uh, uh, upon the uh, Egyptians, on their chariots and on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth, while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea, just like he will throw fallen men and women into the midst of the sea of hell. This is what this is indicating. That, that which has delivered his people will fall on the heads of fallen men and women. But the children of Israel had walked in, on dry land in the midst of the sea, and the, water, and the waters were a wall on them on the right hand and on, the, on, on their left. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the, of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. And we will, we're going to read this song together. But I want us to, I want us to realize before we read this song, we're just going to read through it. I'm not going to stop. I'm just going to read through it because it's a beautiful song. It's also recorded. It's the same one is in Psalm, in the Psalms. I think it's Psalm 90 or 89. I don't remember. But it's in the Psalms as well. It's a very important song. But they are celebrating that chariot, that Pharaoh and his armies, we'll see that, were thrown into the sea. Remember, when they, when they had left Egypt, they seemed very compassionate about the firstborn being killed. There's something I'm going to say with... with um, bit of trepidation, honestly. On this side of heaven, we ought to, and I certainly do, mourn for the idea of fallen men and women, for their ultimate demise, for their eternal destruction. But ultimately, again, I, 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 I mourn them less for the fire as much than I do for their eternal separation from God. That's what hell is. Our separation from God we are born in that separation. Remember, that's what Christ came to do, is to reconcile us with God. Apart from that, men and women are damned forever. And that ought to break our hearts. 
We also have to realize though, and this is going to be, this might be difficult to accept. On that day, part of the celebration will be the damnation of the unbelievers because the righteousness of God is complete and his justice is full. It's hard to imagine right now, but we will be pleased by the work of our God and his righteousness at its full and his justice meets its end. We will, so in this account, it seems to me that on the one hand, they, they, they were very compassionate and mourned for the death of the firstborn. Here they are celebrating. Here they are celebrating the overthrow of the enemies who fight against God. Okay, let's read it. Sorry. Um, I guess we'll read it off here. <coughs> then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and spoke, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war, and the Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank to the bottom like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, has dashed the enemy in pieces. And in the greatness of your excellence, you have overthrown those who rose against you. You sent forth your wrath and consumed them like stubble. And with the blast of your nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The floods stood upright like a heap. The depths congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My desire shall be satisfied on them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind, the sea covered them, they sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. You and your mercy have led forth the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them in your strength to your holy habitation. The people will hear and be afraid. Sorrow will take hold of the, the inhabitants of Philistia. Then the chiefs of, e the chiefs of Edom will be dismayed. The mighty men of Moab, trembling, will take hold of them. All the inhabitants of Canaan will melt away. Fear and dread will fall on them. By the greatness of your arm, they shall be as still as a stone. Till your people pass over, O Lord, till the, your, till the people pass over, over whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance, in the, in the place, O Lord, which you have made for your own dwelling, the sanctuary, O Lord, where your hands have established. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. Also, Miriam the prophetess uh, and Moses' sister join the song with, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. We'll see next week, because we are going to have to end it quick. Uh, Early, we were going to look at the waters of Mora, uh, Mara, uh, but we were going to have to wait um, for that next week because uh, this doesn't last long. This lasts for three days, and they come to the bitter waters of Mora, where they complain again. Uh, but we'll we'll consider that starting. Uh, we'll get into that next week again. We'll look at the giving of the law, the bread com that comes from heaven, which follows that immediately. So it's probably better that uh, that we that we um, look at that later then anyway, because we'll also. Look, add on to what we consider about the Lord's Supper as a reflection of the Passover, which now I want to kind of get into briefly in conclusion. So, the Passover, obviously, is instituted with the, the Passover lamb, 
right? And which is signified with the blood on the post. And the unleavened bread, right? So the blood and the bread, right? right? So on the day of the Passover, Christ wanted to have one final Passover with his apostles. On that night, he instituted the Lord's Supper. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. The, the bread which was unleavened for haste is now the bread which came down from heaven that has been broken. Okay? And this is my blood which he poured out, which is shed for you, just like on the doorposts, to save us from judgment. Okay? And then, in Luke's account, uh, I'm sorry, in 1 Corinthians, when Paul is teaching about this, he says, you know, because Christ says, you know, this is my body which is broken for you. This is my blood which is poured out, taken, drink. And, and Paul says, for as often as you do this, as often as you do this, you look back toward his death until he comes again. So in other words, the Lord's Supper covers all of time. All of time. What you do now looks back to what he's done for you until his culmination just like these people were doing the Passover is the same thing, to look back to the deliverance of God, to look forward to, they think, the coming Messiah. We are waiting for our returning Messiah. But the Passover was done once a year. Christ says, and Paul says, as often as you do this, and we, we have seen throughout Acts that they're always breaking bread. That's the Lord's Supper. That's what they're talking about. When we break bread, that is the Lord's Supper. So they did it often, probably every week. We will start doing that. We are going to start doing that. I wanted to start that this week, but we are not going to have these little wafers and little cups. That's what we're kind of having a hard time with right now. Because what happened, and we'll kind of look at that with a prophet in Acts too. But what happens is it's a visual. It's, 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 a, it's a ceremony, but it's also a visual. When, when Christ says, this is my bread, he blessed, he thanked God for it, and then he broke it in the sight of everybody. It wasn't, didn't all, it didn't cut it in pieces first and then pass it out. Same thing with the, with the wine. It wasn't already in cups. He says, this is the wine, and he pours it out and says, you know, take it down, pass it down. You know, that kind of a thing. And that's what we're going to do. Because we do need to break the bread, and we need to pour out the wine, which is poured out for us. Okay. Praise God. Sorry, now I gotta skip that one. Alright, any questions? Very good. Alright, let's pray. <clears throat> Father, thank you for your amazing work and the deliverance of your people. Praise you for your salvation and your awesome and great arm. You have provided such a holy witness for the strength and the endurance of your people. Father, I ask that you plant your word into your children, that we might see you, that your law is written on our hearts and minds, that your word is implanted. We see you at all times. We lift up your name to you. My God, I praise you with hot hand. In your son's name, amen. Amen.
Thank you for listening to Sea of Fire Ministries. We hope and pray this has blessed you in your walk with God, and we hope you join us again next week. You have been listening to Sea of Fire Ministries, where the Word of God is life.